Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, thank you very much to Paul and Paul and Glinda and Dilla for leading us so far and our musicians. Um, now, it, it's, it's, a well, it's a well-worn subject, this, isn't it? The body. Uh, and uh, it's clearly, I would say, Paul's favourite, that is to say, the Apostle Paul, um, the Paul's favourite metaphor for the church, the body. It's, it's such a good one to explain how the church is meant to function. <clears throat> the body has many parts, but one unit, says Paul. <clears throat> there is diversity, but unity. That seems to be something which is hard to put together. We, we tend to like to put all things that are like together, don't we? <clears throat> I don't know about you, but have a, a, neat, a neat kind of life that everything's kind of, we, we sort things. Well, maybe you're not the kind of person that sorts things, but um, actually the church is not sorted. We are all sorts of people. We are many parts, diversity, but amazingly in Christ there is unity in all of them. And and how can this be? Well, very simply, Paul tells us here, we were all baptised by one spirit into one body. And so the, the, the key to see how all these diverse parts can be in one church is baptism. It is the symbol by which the many have become one. It's a symbol by which we are in Christ. And it is the basis of our unity. We have nothing to compare with one another uh, in, in terms of who is the best, except to say we were all baptised into Christ. No one is better than anybody else, no matter what kind of gifts they have or whatever it may be. And that was one of the problems that uh, Paul alluded to in Corinthians. Some people were saying, well, we're better than them because we've got this gift. Some people were saying, I'm going to follow Paul, I'm going to follow Apollos. Uh, it was a very much divided church at Corinth although there was a lot of good stuff going on there as well. But Paul says we were all baptised by one spirit into one body. And those three things, one one baptism, one spirit, one body, bring us to, to unity. Uh, another of Paul's favourite expressions is in Christ. En Christo, he says. In Christ. He says it over and over and over again by which he means we are kind of somehow mystically united with Christ. When we are baptised, we become part of Christ, we belong to him, and he is in us, in Christ. Two very simple words that mean something very deep and very profound. And within that unity of in Christ, he says there's a huge diversity. Just give two examples here, Jew and Greek. I mean, that was amazing to start with. The Jewish people uh, uh, have a very specific, unique identity and very proud of their identity as God's called out people. Uh, and to, to, to think that God would make them uh, one with another nation was unthinkable to many Jews. You know, keep separate. That was, that was the idea uh, that, w- that was instilled in them throughout the, uh, the days of Moses. and Keep, keep apart and, and keep a holy and separate people. But actually, Paul says now in the church, Jews and Greeks, and we might extend that now to say every nationality, every language, every culture is one in Christ. I mean, I don't see quite so many around here as I would have done um, a year ago, preaching in my previous church, where maybe 20 different nationalities would be there from time to time. A really 
wonderful example of how the church is united from a, a great diversity. So, Jew and Greek, slave and free. There are some people who are powerful people and influential people and some people who are not. And, and just two weeks ago, uh, Paul was uh, talking to us about Philemon and about how Philemon and Onesimus, his slave, although one was a slave owner, one was a slave, uh, they were both one in Christ, as was the Apostle Paul. So there are three very different people, a slave, a slave owner, and Paul, an apostle and a Pharisee, all one in Christ. But we could extend that further. Paul's list in Galatians goes to include male and female. There are no distinctions between male and female in Christ. We are all one in Christ. And that was a huge step forward for uh, um, a world that was very paternalistic and and patristic in its way that it dealt with things. Uh, Male-dominated society. But now Paul says, no, it's male and female are one in Christ. And then if we go back to Paul's, uh, to Peter's speech on the day of Pentecost, we hear him quoting from the book of Joel the prophet. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men, old men, so there's no barriers of age, children, uh, we are all one in Christ. That's an astonishing claim, isn't it? That massive diversity, I can't think of any, can anyone think of any other more diversity things apart from race, status, nationality, uh, gender, Age pretty well covers everything, doesn't it? And yet it's quite astonishing that all of those people can come together to be one united church. It's not surprising that from time to time there are problems in this church and and the church isn't as united as it should be. Uh, But then Paul reminds us that this regular thing that we do uh, by meeting around this table and breaking the one loaf... And, and sharing the one cup, although we have an individual cup so we can do it together, uh, we actually demonstrate that we who are many are one body because we all share in the one loaf. Yeah, okay, so it's good to remember verses like that from time to time. And so the two things that perhaps remind us of our unity are our baptism. When we come to Christ, we, we leave everything behind and we come just as we are and Christ, in Christ we become a new creation. And then regularly when we meet together as the body of Christ, we share communion to remind us that we're all one in Christ. Um, all the different parts, though, are important. The different parts somehow link together with a unity in the whole body. And what does Paul tell us about these parts? First of all, each part is indispensable. You know? Um, some people don't think that they're of any value. But let me tell you that God's word tells you you are of value. Even if you think uh, you are highly insignificant, uh, you are valuable in the body. I I was unfortunately given the initials uh, uh, LSB when, um, when I was born, Uh, which stands in electronics terms for least significant bit. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there are many people who think that they are the least significant bit. There are some people who have got no value, or they feel they've got no value. But if we see this, actually every part of the body is equally important in terms of the kingdom of God. Every part is unique. Now, Paul talks about different parts. He talks about the parts that you can see 
and the parts that you can't see. I, I mean, I'm not a medic. I don't know how many organs there are in our body, but there's an awful lot under this skin that goes to make us live. If you took out any of those parts, if you took out the kidneys, for example, you wouldn't live for very long. Obviously, if you took out the heart, that would, you, you would live for only a you know, very little time at all. But there are even other parts of the body, we're not even sure what they all do. I mean, even medics don't know what some of the bits in our body do, do they? You know, the, the appendix and things like that. But, but some, they're all there, and they've all got some kind of purpose within our body. And, and Paul is, I think that's a very good example, is the body, the bits that we, that we keep hidden, or the bits that we don't see. We don't even think about, we don't have to think about our liver functioning, do we? It just gets on with doing what livers do. And, uh, and, but if it doesn't work, we soon know about it. We become ill. Each part is unique, has its function. Each part is complementary. Our eyes are not instead of our ears. I mean, I feel really sorry for people who are losing their sight. And our brother Dave here has been having bad sight. And now, what's it like, Dave? Have your sight back. I look younger. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I'll give you some new glasses soon. <laughs> but sight is fantastic, isn't it? But it's not instead of hearing. And people who, um, you, you know, have lost one of those vital functions uh, find life very difficult. And yet, they seem to manage to cope. If you've ever heard Evelyn Glennie playing the percussion, you will know she's completely deaf and she can... Oh, I don't know how she does it. Anyway. But each part is complementary. We need each other. We complement and then one more thing that Paul says here, the whole body is affected by every part. When one part suffers, all the other parts suffer too. Now you know that, don't you? I mean, if you've got a really bad p- pain in your little toe, you, you're thinking about it, aren't you? And particularly if you've got a problem in your back or your neck or somewhere quite central like that, then all the other parts start to creak. Um, and we're going to visit my, my mum um, tomorrow, mum and dad. Uh, mum's just had another knee operation, and, and bless her, she had a hip and she had a knee, and then she had a shoulder, but now the other knee's wearing out. So, you know, but hopefully now she's got two knees, so um, that should, should keep her going for a bit. Um, but, you know, each one part of our body does affect the others, doesn't it? And that's the same in the church. We're not isolated. And if something happens to one of our members, if one of our members is bereaved or ill, then actually it affects all of us. If one of our members is rejoicing, then we all rejoice with them. If one of our members is honoured, then the whole body is honoured. Sadly, the contrary is true. If one of our members is disgraced, then that can affect the whole body too, can't it? We all are together. And then Paul comes to a crunch verse in 27. Now, he says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Just to to sum it up and to remind us, each one is a part of this body. Now, I'll leave it up to you to decide which part you are. And probably, you know, metaphors break down if you push them too far, don't they? You You may think you're a little toe, but... Maybe there's, a very, there's something else as well. So why is this idea of a body a good metaphor for the church? Well, first of all, I think it's organic. It's about an organism rather than an institution. 
that the church is not an institution. It is uh, a body of people who are united together with a common faith, common baptism, common spirit, common Lord. It is a body. Uh, it is an organism. It, it lives, it breathes, it grows. And I think it's really important that we keep our eyes on that because some people think of the church as an institution. They talk about the church. The church should be doing this. Once, um, I know um, to- Tony Campolo told a story once uh, of a woman that complained to him that um, somebody had come up to, to her and uh, asked, somebody that was homeless, had asked her for some, some food or something and she said, I, well, I took them to the church and... Um, the, the church didn't help them. So she, I went and bought them some food. The church should have done something. Tony Campolo says, sounds like the church did do something. You are the church. We are the church. And uh, we're part of that. Um, sometimes I hear people talk about, oh, the Baptist Association or the Baptist Union. Well, we are that. We are that association. We are that union. We are all part of that body, the wider body. Uh, Secondly, it's relational. It's about relationships rather than organization. Relationships. We we are in relationship and, and we all relate at different ways. We communicate in different ways. We have different likes and dislikes, but we all relate together um, and some people tend to relate more closely than others. That's natural in any kind of church uh, uh, organization. But it's about relationships with one another. But at the heart of that is our relationship with Christ. Why are we in relationship today? Because we all like the same things? No. no. Um, you could join a golf club, and that would be everyone who likes golf would go to that club, but you wouldn't get me there. Um, I'm not a golf fan. Um, we're here because we're in relationship with Christ and therefore we are part of his body, he's our head and that's why we're together. There are many gifts but they're complementary as well. There is no hierarchy of gifts here. Listen to what Paul says. He says, um, he does talk about um, in order. He says, first, um, where are we? Um, in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles. They were the ones who brought the, the message and, and passed on the word of God to us. Then prophets, teachers, workers of miracles. I don't know how many of that includes you. Um, having gifts of healing. What about this? Those able to help others. That's a really practical spiritual gift, isn't it? Those able to help others. So you might think you're not one of these people with with these supernatural gifts of the Spirit, but actually, if you've got the gift of helping others, that's a really important gift. Gifts of administration. Ah, bless Paul. Those who who do administration, and and the other Paul, administering money. Those are very important things that help us to to function. We can't say they're not important. Uh, They are, uh, and they help the church to work uh, and to be in relationship and to do its job. Um, and then he goes on to say, um, after administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. There are spiritual gifts where people can speak in, in spiritual languages, tongues. That's uh, a spiritual gift which was given 2,000 years ago and is still valid now. It has its place. But 
Notice here, Paul puts it at the bottom. Because, you see, what was happening in Corinth was people who spoke in tongues were pretending that they were more spiritual than everybody else, that they had some kind of advantage. Well, actually, Paul puts that at the bottom of the list now, underneath administration and helping. So, you know, I think he's making a point there, isn't he? Um, all of these gifts are important. They're complementary, and they're to build up the body and to get involved in the work of the church. On Tuesday evening, we had a really interesting meeting. I think there were about 14 of us that uh, were here, a variety of people, thinking about belonging. And uh, we were looking at a very similar passage, Romans 12, verses 1 to 8, very similar to the passage uh, in 1 Corinthians. It talks about the body. And there's one little line in there which we were focusing on. Every, each member belongs to all the others. Each member belongs to all the others. Who do you belong to? Well, if you're a Christian, I think you will say, I belong to Christ. Because if you've been baptised into Christ, you have given your, if you like, self to him. You now uh, belong to him. He died for you. He gave up everything for you. And so by becoming in Christ, we then belong to him. That means we belong to him. We belong to his body. And if you are the body, do you see the logic here? We belong to one another. So we can't just do what we like as Christians in the body. Although we will follow our own leading, of course. But we, we're not free to do anything. We have to consider other people. How does my action affect other people in the body? I belong to you. So if I do something uh, good, then hopefully that blesses the whole church. If I do something bad... Uh, everyone is affected by that. We must remember we belong to one another. And we were thinking about what does it mean to belong? And people threw in some interesting words. Security. To belong involves identity. I identify with a particular group or a particular thing. Family. To belong to a family is a wonderful thing. Some people have got natural families. Some people haven't. But in the church, we've all got uh, a spiritual family. Not being alone. That's a huge problem, I think, in our society. Loneliness. People who feel they don't belong anywhere. I'm not just talking about refugees, but actually, you know, other people as well don't belong very much alone. We belong to Christ. We were baptized into Him, into the universal church. But thank <laughs> I only know a very small number uh, of Christians, maybe a, a few thousand uh, Christians, but, but there are millions of them in the world. But I do know you, and I do know people that I've served with in local churches. We belong to one another, and we become, uh, a word here, members of the local church. Now, there's a loaded word, isn't it not? Because when I talk about members of the church, that will mean different things uh, to different people. For some people, the word member means like member of a club. So you sign up in your golf club and you can get so many matches, so many games of golf a year, um, and you get the benefits of club mem membership, etc. Um, but Paul is not talking about that kind of membership, is he? He's talking about being a member of the body. So my arm is part of me, it is a member of my body. It doesn't have its own existence or its own rights. Uh, separate from me, it is part of the body. And so my understanding 
when, I use, when we use the word member of a local church, means being part of that body that is connected with everybody else, that is interdependent with everybody else, and uh, is, um, is related to everybody else, and is accountable to everybody else. Um, the words that were used on uh, Tuesday evening, which I, I tried to drop down, uh, pledge. If in a local church we pledged to, to one another, we, we have a, a kind of a covenant understanding that we come and we are the church here. We share, materially and spiritually. We become part of the body. Committed, that's, a, that's an important word. There is a, a sense of commitment. We feel a commitment to our brothers and sisters in the local church. Mutual accountability. You know, we can't just do everything we like. We have to be accountable to one another in the way that we run the church, in the way that we run our lives. Responsibility. That's another term, responsibility. People are too much uh, today uh, willing to sort of fight for their rights. But what about our responsibilities? I think that's an important side of the coin. The Baptist Declaration of Principle we've been looking at says this, each local church has liberty under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to interpret and administer his laws. The, 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 the place of the local church meeting to make decisions about what we should be doing for Christ. So that leads me to a couple of questions that we looked at on Tuesday. If we're to make decisions, who belongs? And how do we decide who the people are who belong, who make the decisions. Now, I'm not going to answer those questions now, just to say that actually um, we are in the process of re-looking at the whole of that as we're going to bring a, a new constitution in um, next year. Uh, the deacons have already kind of approved a draft which we'll send to you, uh, and you can have a look. It, it won't make any huge changes, it just makes it more modern and, and, and makes it work better. Uh, it's a more up-to-date one. But it does give us an opportunity to rethink how we are as a church and how we define ourselves and how we function. So, you might say, can anyone be part of the decision-making process? People whose name is on a list. Um, well, we will have an opportunity to rethink, of it, rethink that idea. My suggestion is this, that the people who are members of the local church are, one, disciples of Jesus, committed to following Christ. That's, that's the first prerequisite, isn't it? I did um, make the point that in our friends in the Czech Republic that we visit, uh, used to visit quite regularly, when, when the communists were in charge in the Czech Republic, members of the Communist Party would come and infiltrate the church so there would be people in the church meeting who weren't committed believers, but they were there to keep an eye on what was going on and to influence the way the church worked. Uh, are they members of the church? They may look like it, but I think we'd have to say that we need to discern that somebody who was part of the church is actually a disciple of Jesus, committed to following Jesus. Not to say that we, welcome, we don't welcome people into the church who are seeking and on that journey. Of course we do. But in terms of who uh, is a committed member, we need to know, are they following Jesus? Do they feel they want to belong to the local church? 
Because some people feel able to do that and some people don't. Some people maybe have got a ministry which doesn't allow that. Um, Are we willing to be committed to one another? Or do we join a church in order to get our own way? It has once been said, you know, if you find a church that's perfect, don't join it because you'll spoil it. Yeah? And that's certainly true true of me. Um, Do you... Do people... uh, Members need to be people who are involved in some way. Some people are involved very heavily. And my my, uh, perception is that over the last few years, the leaders of our church have been extremely heavily involved in everything. And so have many of you in trying to work for for Christ. Uh, um, But we're only able to be involved at the level that's that's relevant to us. And that will depend on our gifts. It will depend on the amount of time we have available, etc., Uh, People who are responsible and accountable to others. I've already said to you before, I am your servant, but you are not my master. So I'm accountable to you. But actually, I'm ultimately accountable to God. We're all accountable to each other. And in in a meeting, actually, Karen and I went to a meeting yesterday of our flats. We have our flat in Seaton, and um, there's a management company that managed the block of flats. And every year we have, um, we have, we have a, 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 the, the residents meeting. <clears throat> and the guy that was chairing it is, is a good guy, but um, on a couple of things which needed a, a decision, he kind of said, um, right, would anyone propose this? And somebody proposed it. Would anyone second it? Uh, yes. And then he went on to the next item. And he did it a few times. And then one lady actually said, well, do we not get a chance to actually put our hand up and say whether we agree? Uh, and then I, uh, I, I made the point, he didn't, he didn't seem to see this was necessary. But actually, all of us, if we're making a corporate decision, we all need to say, yes, I agree. Or I might say, well, actually, I don't agree with that. But that's fair enough. We're entitled to that. Uh, we are accountable to each other. Uh, and I think that's important. And then the last thing, and I'll leave it here, is that members of a church are people who ask to belong. They ask to belong. And therefore are known to be part of our fellowship. And that, that's how we identify people who've asked and been accepted by the community. Seems to me to identify what it means to belong to a local church. I will leave you to ponder those things. We will be having more discussions and reflections. But... Um, one of the things I did when I came here, actually, was to put that notice board at the back. Uh, and uh, pretty well, I think I've got everyone here as, uh, uh, as on it. Um, um, and as new people come, you see there's a new one arrived. Eileen's now on the bottom. Um, so <coughs> there are lots of people on there. I, I like that because it helps people to feel that they belong. But belonging to a church is more than having your photograph on a board. And it's more than uh, being on a list. And therefore, this is where we need to ask those questions, I think. Over the next year, we'll be rethinking uh, how that happens so that the people who are, if you like, the members of this church are the people who are, who are genuinely uh, involved and genuinely f- the people who are responsible for seeing how the church goes and the future and our ministry.